Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to Counseling on Demand. I am Fred Riley. Thank you for for uh, tuning into today's podcast. So today we're uh, we're actually going to start talking about narcissism, and this is a big topic that comes up in my office. Everybody feels like they have a narcissistic spouse or their spouse is bipolar. And those of you that know me, I am very, I, I really take uh, great pride in, in diagnosing. And so I'm very careful about that. And when it comes to narcissism, boy, I tell you what, there's only a few people that I've ever really put into that that construct, that place, because it's uh, narcissism isn't as as uh, easy or black and white as it might seem. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, one thing to keep in mind as we talk about narcissism is, uh, and this is why I'm talking about it actually, and that is that I work with so many people that are absolutely exhausted. They're absolutely confident that they're crazy. And what they're showing is uh, side effects of being exposed to uh, primarily a spouse or a partner that's that's narcissistic. So we're, let's talk about that. This will probably end up being a couple different podcasts just because I want to give this stuff the, the due time that, that it needs and uh, not rush it. So one of the things we're finding is that narcissism is not explained very easily. There's different levels, different things that feed into that. And we we have a lot of Hollywood ideas. We have a lot of rumor stuff in terms of social ideas and so forth of narcissism. But I still feel like we're trying to put that together and find the best ways to identify it. Now, one of the things we need to talk about as you're listening, if you're wondering if you're narcissistic or you're wondering somebody else is. By the way, if you're worrying if you're narcissistic, you, you may not be. That's pretty unlikely. But the idea is one of the ways, let's look at it this way, I guess, is we're going to talk about narcissistic traits. If we uh, talk about narcissism and if you take these first five narcissistic traits very seriously, then you might find that your boss is narcissistic, your neighbor's narcissistic, and so forth. But the idea is that we're talking about traits, and the idea is that narcissism is going to have very pronounced, repetitive um, uh, demonstration, behavioral uh, evidence of these, like all of these, in a very concrete way. And so one way to look at this is to say, okay, um, I can't take this and go to my spouse and say, I heard you're narcissistic because that's what Fred said. No, we all have certain elements of us that might seem narcissistic, and uh, that's just exactly what it is. It's an element, but it does not mean that you're defined by that. So let's go ahead and get into a couple of those. One thing to keep in mind just to get perspective is the society right now, at least in the United States, is about 6% uh, narcissistic. And uh, what that's showing us is that we're broadening that view of narcissism. You know, I believe, you know, obviously in mental health, I'm going to come across 
uh, more individuals that are narcissistic than 6% just because of the type of work I do. However, that 6%, I, I think I was kind of surprised by that number, but it's somewhere in there. So what that says is that uh, the likelihood of somebody uh, in your circle or not too far out of your circle uh, could fall within uh, the parameters of narcissistic. So one more, th- one more uh, image thing, one more aspect to dispel really fast, and that will be shown in these characteristics. Um, narcissism, we really need to get away from this idea that narcissism is this inflated ego. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Individuals that are narcissistic, I call it, they have an ego that's rice paper thin. And the behaviors that you're subject to, the things that you see, are in fact a very powerful psychological effort to protect that uh, evaporating ego. So when people think about narcissism, this guy talks so good about himself, he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. You know what? Sometimes that happens, but that, you know, that that could be a strong ego, but doesn't mean it's narcissism. So number one, this is something that comes up quite a bit. It's adulation. So adulation is this idea of flattery, um, excessive adoration, and this is fear-based. So the idea is uh, the narcissist is going to worry that he's not worthy of you or – and by the way, we're saying he. Let's get away from that for just a minute. All the all the uh, uh, literature and so forth is going to use he, and that's a stereotype too. I don't know the numbers, but uh, I've certainly come across a fair amount of females that are, are narcissistic as well. And so the idea is we don't want to put – our husband in that box. This could be male or female. So the idea of adulation is this forming of relationships really fast for fear that the relationship won't happen. And so the idea is you're going to find, and think about those that you've dated and so forth, you're going to find that that flattery, that emotional uh, engagement and so forth just takes off. It is it is just really heavy. It's really thick. It's just kind of nonstop. And it feels good. It's flattery. It, it's it's kind of what our mind tells us, hey, that, that feels pretty good. And if you think back to the beginning of the relationship, you'll find that that flattery starts to wear off. Now, that flattery is not just like romantic flattery. That flattery, is, the narcissist is going gonna, is gonna to let everybody know whether it's a work-related thing, whether it's a finance-related thing, they're going to present themselves really well to help the other person feel like um, it's actually a manipulation. The idea is if you reject me, if you push me away, you're pushing away somebody that that flatters you. You're putting somebody, you're pushing somebody away of value. So I'm going to I'm going to pretend my value is this in in a way to kind of hold you hostage. So the flattery is it believed? No, the flattery is not believed by them. But it's a tool, an unconscious tool, subconscious tool. It's a tool used to to put themselves in a special position so that their fear of losing that relationship is reduced. What happens is people tend to really like these individuals. It looks like confidence, but in time you'll find that there's there's uh, that falls out over time. It can't be maintained. So one other thing before we take a break that we want to talk about is uh, these individuals, and this is I hear this all the time. So individuals, a narcissistic trait is uh, the need to think well. People, we the need for others to think well of us. Sorry, I didn't say that very well. So the idea is, and I, like I said, I hear this all the time, they'll say, my husband, my wife, or whoever, they can't be narcissistic. Why? Because narcissistic is the great ego, right? And they're the first person to help the neighbor with a the project. They'll help an old lady across the street. They're the first one to volunteer for this. They'll do community service. And the idea is our, expe- our experience, our mind tells us, you know what? 
that's the quality of a good person, right? We're brought up to say, hey, if you love somebody, if you care for them, help them across the street, put down whatever you have, that's service. All of those are societal-based um, uh, mores. They're, they're morals and values that are reinforced over and over again. And so the idea is we're going to assume that this person's a soccer coach, this person's staying up late at night, doing all these different things, taking pies, doing whatever for the sake of because they're compassionate, they're mindful, they're giving. The reality is, is their need to be thought of as well is so powerful that what they're doing is they're trying to compensate. They're saying, okay, because of my fragile ego, I'm going to create an image that is acceptable. And so they're really kind of bargaining. They're really trying to barter and say, hey, listen, look again, look how valuable I am to you. The interesting thing is, is the narcissist, they need to feed. There's this idea called narcissistic feed. And so if you do not uh, fall into the power, if you will, of, their, of adulation, if you do not think well of them, then they're going to push you away as if they lost, as if you lost something wonderful, as if you lost something great, when in reality, it's they're trying to protect themselves from injury. So these are individuals that look on the surface uh, with you in the community, they can look um, incredibly dedicated and so forth. But over time, as you watch that, you'll see that there's a price on the back end of that. So we're going to talk a little bit more in just a minute here about uh, narcissism, talk about narcissistic traits. And again, this is not comprehensive. There's going to be a few podcasts in this regard. Welcome back to Counseling on Demand. Once again, I'm your host, Fred Riley. We're talking about uh, narcissism today. And again, it's one of those buzzwords out there like bipolar and so forth when there's a riff in terms of employment or relationship, romantic or not. We have a tendency to go back to these ideas of saying to our friends, therapists and so forth, my partner, my spouse, my mom, my dad, whoever, they, they're bipolar or they're narcissistic. And the idea is that those, I, I think the, those uh, disorders, whatever you want to call them, I think they're more prevalent than maybe in the past. But the idea is we're talking today about some narcissistic traits. And uh, I think if, you know, as a matter of fact, I meant to mention this at the beginning of the podcast, if you really feel like, uh, as you listen to me, as you really start to feel like, hey, maybe um, I'm dealing with a narcissist or maybe I am a narcissist, you know, that's a very subjective viewpoint. And so before you go to that place where you're reading all these books and you're fearing for your life or your children or your future, this is a good time to say, you know what, I've heard some things on narcissism. And then go to a therapist that you can trust is going to be straightforward with you where they can say on the outside, you know what, uh, you know, they can kind of gauge that and say, yeah, that definitely falls in within narcissism. And most therapists will say, well, yeah, that's a narcissistic trait. But you might as well get a good objective look at it rather than just uh, looking at this as a recipe and, and panicking. So the idea is you're going to hear it with certain ears. You're going to have certain people in mind. And it's going to feel like it really fits. But uh, let's have a third party get involved in in terms of helping you uh, decipher that. So uh, let's get into just a couple more. Again, we're going to do a couple more podcasts, at least it looks like, on this one. So another big feature, and this one, man, this one's hard. 
uh, it's called stonewalling. And in relationships, there's some stonewalling. And what that is is where you and your partner or you and the neighbor or what have you, you have kind of a falling out and one of you doesn't talk. Sometimes it's for a day. Sometimes it's for half hour sometimes it's for weeks and and so stonewalling is something that happens in relationships where somebody's hurt but it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a narcissistic narcissistic uh trait when it becomes narcissistic the goal for you to uh for the stonewalling is this individual that's narcissistic they're trying to win uh the competition they're trying to uh, get you to compromise on their behalf, compromise your beliefs, your your your, um, your uh, values, and so forth, as if you've injured them, and they're going to withhold as one mechanism or stonewall to get you to kind of really start to think about your evil ways. You know, I've got a gal right now um, that I'm seeing, and, and uh, unfortunately, she's starting to put this picture together, which is helpful, I suppose. But the idea is this is one of those things where I said, okay, here's typical relationship stonewalling where we don't know what to say or we're so mad that we withdraw. But I started talking to her about the stonewalling related to um, a partner or a work partner, whatever, that uh, that is more on the, that narcissistic scale. So they're, you know, one of the big parts of uh, hallmarks, if you will, of stonewalling that separates it from kind of a typical fighter spat is this individual is going to ignore, they're going to make you pay. Um, they want you to think about how you've injured them and so forth. The other thing is, is that this form of stonewalling, what they're going to do is they're actually going to deny, that's what they're doing, is they're going to deny the significance, the importance of your experience. They might even deny the experience itself. This is where people start to feel crazy. Okay, the idea is I'm going to protect my ego, right, by making sure that, first of all, I don't acknowledge the problem. You're going to pay for the problem. But also, I'm going to deny that it even happened. I'm going to deny that those feelings that you have are appropriate, right? This is where somebody says you're overreacting. They say they judge whether or not you should be upset, that type of thing. So they're going to dismiss by ignoring. They're going to dismiss by um, imagining or telling you, even convincing you that uh, the experience didn't play out like it did. And this is where people really start to think, you know what? Maybe it's about me. And this is where people start to show up for therapy. They come in and they say, my timing's off. I always talk to my spouse or my my partner, whatever, at the wrong time. I use the wrong tone. I need to learn how to talk to my partner because um, they, they say I'm too rigid. They say that I'm combative and so on and so forth. And so this is where that uh, twisting of experience really starts to happen. And we really start to say, you know what, because I care, I want to make changes and adjustments to make this interaction, to make this work. And the reality is, is that that stonewalling, that's the mechanism, stonewalling, is to get you into a place where you feel like your tone is off. You feel like um, your timing's off. You feel like you're constantly pecking at your partner and so forth. And they need you to feel that so that they don't have to take a look at ownership of their issues and so forth. That's not exclusive to narcissism, but definitely a major part of narcissism. So for today, let's talk about one more area. And then again, one more thing, one more facet, if you will, of narcissism. Again, keep in mind that these are um, things that we might see in all people, uh, one you know, one of these uh, or more. But the idea is that's not necessarily, um, you know, the uh, evidence, if you will, that uh, that person's narcissistic. Um, I'll tell you what: uh, if if uh, you're 
with somebody that's narcissistic, uh, I can take one look at you and know narcissism, uh, those relationships are very, very exhausting. Above and beyond uh, typical, even reoccurring fights, uh, these uh, narcissism is incredibly draining. So um, let's see. Let me throw one more in here real fast. Oh, this is another one, and this is hard too. You'll see this with with uh, abusers, manipulators, and so forth. Um, narcissists, they, they are excellent at being the good guy. Um, and one of the things that we really want to watch for is that the good guy never apologizes, but our experience is that they did apologize. And so when I talk to people, they look back over the marriage, they stop and think, they, they'll they go from this position where, yeah, my partner or whatever always apologizes to they never said sorry. They will never say sorry, but they're going to demonstrate the appropriate behavior that would imply that you are to forgive me for, after all, look how good I am. And so my good behavior, my ability to adapt to those things that look like they're appropriate, that is my way of saying, guess what? If you don't take that as an apology, then you're judgmental, I'm a victim, and so forth. So one of the things that I want to talk about as we're talking about this is narcissists. Um, and again, a lot of, one of the important things is a lot of this is, is, is subconscious. It's not like they stay up at night and write out how they can hurt people and so forth. But this is a personality disorder. This is really the way that they think. And it doesn't take a lot of calculated thought typically. But one of the things to keep in mind then with that in perspective is that like the good guy and some other things we'll talk about, um, individuals with narcissistic uh, tendencies or personality disorder, they are like savants. They are like tremendously skilled at reading uh, physical, nonverbal, verbal. They read these cues in an amazing way. After all, they have to because their ego is subject to all of these cues. And so they've developed a way to act and respond to things to protect that ego. Therefore, they've learned what it takes to look apologetic, but not necessarily have to be apologetic. They're not trying to uh, own up to an issue. What they're doing is they're trying to relieve themselves of the burden that you're causing them for being upset. So did, I, did you hear that? You're trying, they're trying to get you to relieve them of the burden you're causing them because something they did hurt you. And so they're going to bring flowers and different things, but there's never really a sorry. This is a mitigating behavior. This is a behavior that says, if I give flowers or if I do this, okay, my ability to read social cues says, this will get this person to leave me alone. This will give give this uh, opportunity for people to see that I'm innocent, I'm not a mean guy, so on and so forth. Okay, so those are some elements, obviously a lot more to talk about. Narcissism is a very complex thing. Um, we have a tendency to simplify it into everybody's a narcissist. If you do feel like some of these symptoms, uh, some of these experiences, as I've explained them, if you feel like they apply, uh, never hesitate to talk to somebody, not at the bar, right? Everybody at the bar, everybody's bipolar, everybody's a narcissist, like I said. But the idea is to say, okay, Go talk to somebody that's uh, experienced in this. And by the way, not every therapist is experienced in this. Um, that's the other thing is you want to make sure that you're talking to somebody that is experienced in working with narcissism. Check it out and see, you know, it, take this from is this, are these narcissistic tendencies? Um, is this some of my own stuff? Or indeed, is this narcissism? And then 
of course, what do I do with that? So like I said a, f- a couple of times here, it's really important. This is just half of the material that we need to cover, and uh, there's a lot more that we can expound on. But uh, please take, uh, take a minute to you know, listen to this and, and check out uh, some ideas, but don't overdo it. Don't, don't uh, dive completely into narcissism. As a matter of fact, a narcissist would love you to read a book on uh, how you're narcissistic. That's another element that we need to talk about. Anyway, so take a look. Um, be mindful if you're exhausted and so forth. Maybe there's something going on there. And educate yourself, but go and see a professional um, as they, even professionals, have a hard time digging through this sometimes. So that's the first bit on narcissism, and uh, we'll get to that uh, in more detail later. I am Fred Riley. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have questions or comments or show ideas, please uh, email me at help at getting back the number two life.com. So help at getting back the number two life.com. Mm-hmm.